What is up, kangaroo chasers? And I'm back for another bonus episode of the pod. Um, the Rugby League World Cup Committee uh, back with another media conference, an emergency media conference this time uh, after Australia and New Zealand pulling out. Uh, John Dutton and co have been very busy speaking to UK government. They've had a call with a number of NRL clubs uh, trying to speak to all of the players as well um, to make sure they can get this World Cup happening for 2021. Very interesting conference, I must say. Just got off the call now. Grateful to be a part of it once again. And you're going to be a fly on the wall now as well, guys. Like we did last time, we released the entire unedited press conference when the committee uh, came out and said that the World Cup will definitely be on for CNRL's hand or the ARLC and New Zealand Rugby League's hand, I suppose. But um, we got a lot of great feedback from releasing that audio, and we're going to do it again. Uh, we're doing it again right here. Um, so thank you, guys. Please, I don't often ask to share our pods, although I'm very grateful when you do. But uh, please share this one on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, because particularly if you're here in Australia like I am, a lot of our rugby league narrative and storyline comes from the NRL, Channel 9, Wide World of Sports, Daily Telegraph, etc., etc. Um, so most NRL fans don't get to hear this side of the story. I think it's important to get all sides of the story. Some good points raised and a very difficult situation, but John Dutton and the team doing very well. Um, I will say uh, a couple of points that came out of it from me, and you're going to get to hear, hear about it yourself, so I encourage you to DM me as well and, and let me know your thoughts. But a couple of big things for me. Uh, so number one, um, did not realise how serious the Indigenous and Maori sides could be. Um, it looks like they're, they're quite likely and they're deep down in discussions or, or more likely than other nations, for example. Um, the reasoning behind this, and you'll hear it in the conference, is they're hoping to get a like-for-like -like, uh, replacement for Australia and New Zealand. So if they had Serbia and like everyone else is asking for the USA, then they would probably have to restructure the entire draw. But if they can bring in an Indigenous side and a Maori side, then pretty like for like when it comes to Australia and New Zealand. A lot, of, a lot of the players in those sides, if they all come across, would have been in the Australian and in the Kangaroos and the Kiwi sides anyway, so they're not going to have to rejig things. So I think that's their preference. Um, I'm not a massive fan of having those sides there, but... I'm not going to be too picky right now, the way things are. So very interesting indeed. Uh, the other thing that came out of it is that John Dutton said he's 50-50 in terms of the World Cup going ahead this year. Um, and I'll explain why in a sec, but that's a big thing for me because they've been adamant that it has to happen this year, that it will happen this year. Uh, and for the first time, he's kind of said, he's always said that, and he said on this podcast before, that delaying it to 2022 would be an option. It's not ideal, but it would be an option. Uh, they seem resigned to the fact that that might be the case now. So that's kind of what I took out of the conversation. But again, let me know what you think, guys. I, I may have interpreted it differently to you. So let me know in the DMs. Um, but finally, and this is the biggest point for me, and one that we knew, we knew the NRL club's voice was going to be critical. Everyone's asked me in the Ask Cubs that I released a couple of days ago, will the NRL clubs release players to play for other nations? You know, Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, you know, Italy, um, Greece, etc., etc., etc. That has been the big question, and it seems to be the ultimate question here as well as to whether the World Cup will go ahead in 2021 or not. That seems to be the critical part. Again, that's how I took it based on this this conference. Have a listen to it yourself, guys. Make your own opinion up. 
um, make up your own mind and feel free to let me know and speak about it on our socials as well. So great chat, uh, great um, conference, I've got to say. Lots, very honest, as always, John Dutton. Um, great job, great leader, and um, lots of good questions in there as well. You're going to hear one from me as well, so listen out for me. And um, yeah, I'm Michael Carboni. This is a bonus episode of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. And the first voice you're going to hear is Michael Gibson from Hatch PR. So let's go straight to that press conference right now. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon to everybody in, in Australia in the Southern Hemisphere. Thanks for joining this morning. Um, thanks also for your for your patience over the last week as we worked tirelessly behind the scenes on a, on a positive outcome for the tournament. Um, we thank everyone on the call, not just for the support um, in the last seven days, but on this on this five year journey. Um, this morning, I have with us uh, our chief executive officer, John Dutton. Um, he will do a short introduction and then we will open up for questions. We also have our chairman, Chris Brindley, who may want to add to any of the, the answers that John gives. Again, if I can just remind everybody to mute their microphones and use the hand function if you want to ask any questions. Um, we will try and keep this uh, to about 30 minutes, so appreciate that. might mean that not everybody gets to ask a question, but we'll try and get around as many people as possible. Thank you very much again. Uh, I'll pass over to John. Thanks very much, Michael. Um, hello, everyone. Um, first of all, just to say I'm not in my usual home office environment, um, so I'm hoping uh, that the Wi-Fi uh, remains for the next half an hour or so. Um, just some opening remarks um, from the Rugby League World Cup. Uh, we were hugely disappointed uh, by not only the decisions of the Australian Rugby League Commission and the Rugby League last week, but also the way that they were communicated to us. As Michael's referred to, uh, we've spent five and a half years working relentlessly to raise the biggest and best ever Rugby League World Cup. And our intention as of today is that we continue that journey. We will provide a safe environment and we refuse any allegations that have been made uh, that the environment will not be safe and secure for players. Uh, we have issued uh, yesterday a biosecure infographic to all the teams and that will reach its way to all of the players. And after this call, Michael will share that document with you. It's a one page, uh, high level infographic specifically written to the players to show all of the measures that are in place and answer the practical questions that they have come to us with. We want to look forward, um, not back. Uh, we're absolutely committed to staging this tournament this year, but only if we are. And the things that we will do over the coming days are first of all, speak and listen to the players. It's been abundantly clear that in the decisions that have been made so far, that hasn't happened. We are player centric, so we are going to get in front of many players. We're also going to survey players and we're going to understand their desire to still come to uh, the UK in October and November. We need to do that very quickly. Time is not on our side. We've just got over 80 days to the 23rd of October, but we will behave in a responsible way. We have a significant amount of public funding and we are very grateful to UK government's ongoing support. So I'll leave it there with the opening remarks. Very happy now to open up to any questions. Thanks, John. Uh, just going to give it a second so I can look through um, the list. Can we kick off with, I think, Ian Laybourne, you, you, you had your hand up there. Good morning, Michael. Morning, John. Morning. Can you hear me okay? 
Morning, Michael. Um, morning, Ian. Let's start again. Good morning. Good morning. I hope you're bearing up under the strain. Uh, John, can I, can I just take you to a, a paragraph in the statement that you released last night saying that you're measuring the sentiment on proceeding with the tournament? That might suggest that you're still considering at this stage whether to postpone or cancel. What, what, what does that mean? Yeah, look, we still want to stage the tournament. We've had two emergency board meetings since last Thursday and the board are unanimous that if we are able, we want to stage the tournament in 2021. As I mentioned at the start, we have to be responsible given the level of public investment, given our broadcast partners, our commercial partners. So we have always had alternative options and they include both postponement, as unpalatable as that is, at this point in time and also not staging the event at all but there are three options moving forward 21 22 and not at all can you say what what the chances are of the tournament go ahead um i think i think um authentically um probably 50 50. Uh, don't know and won't know listen to the players. We have constantly communicated with the players. We've actually signed a memorandum of um, cannot speak highly of Clint Newton and team. They have been supportive. Um, what is clear is the players' voice, player choice, has not been there in the decision to be made. We don't want to follow. We appreciate that they have concerns. I think a lot of concerns are more about well-being rather than safety. And given many of them have been in bubblements, many of them have been away from the families. Fully appreciate that with players. We don't have a talk, uh, and that's why we need to listen over the coming days. Are you looking at staging the tournament without New Zealand and Australia, or is, is there still a hope that they match their minds and, and take part? My understanding is, is that the decisions are irreversible. We're working very closely with IRL and different teams. Uh, there's obviously speculation in the media about those. Uh, the, the teams that come in to replace Australia and New Zealand, both the men, women and also uh, the Australian wheelchair team uh, will for the IRL that we're working closely with them. Are you still looking at sticking with 16? And would you have to read all the... Yeah, we're still 16 in the men's um, tournament and, and, and that's where we need to get to over the coming days. We have constructed a tournament that we believe in. We stick to the same schedule. We don't want to redraw tournaments, so we would look at placement teams on a like-for-like basis. Again, where that is unachievable, we have to look at the alternative options available to us. Could you I'll let somebody else have a go? Cheers, Ian. I was about to say, um, can Scott Bailey, please? Yeah, uh, John, just following up on that last question, you mentioned like, like replacements. Does that suggest that an Indigenous and a Maori side are, you know, the preferred options, given if you're looking in terms of skill level? I guess that's probably the most like, like it. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Um, we've certainly been in communication uh, with the Indigenous representatives uh, and also our representatives. Uh, excited by those propositions. Uh, we need to take some diligence. They are not national teams, they're not teams that um, regularly exist at the moment. Uh, but certainly that um, work, that communication, that consultation, Scott, is already underway. Are there challenges there in terms of whether they are I mean, for a team to enter the World Cup, does it have to be a country? And do you have sort of, you know, is, is that part of the rule just for rugby league for, for international board? And is that one of the problems you've got there? Yeah, they, they have to be sanctioned. And, and that's why this is very much a team for the international rugby league. Uh, I think precedent has set, um, Scott, I think back in 2000 when a Murray team 
played in the World Cup, albeit under completely different circumstances. Uh, yeah, we want to see players in the world uh, in the tournament, and if there's a way of continuing to do that in 2021, we want to investigate possibility. I could just go one more. How confident are you that NRL clubs are players to play in this tournament? Because as I understand it, the what's been reported down here that uh, they aren't bound as they normally would have to release players for any football. Look, we, we appreciate the uh, challenge. Um, just uh, so ago, I met with a number of uh, NRL chief executives. Uh, we are usually respectful uh, of position and of the challenges, uh, but fundamentally, we want to listen to players. This has to be about voice and about place, and we will continue to talk to anyone, to meet with anyone, talk with anyone, to get the very possible outcome for the tournament. Here, Scott. Uh, can we go to Matt Shaw, please? Hi, John. How are you? Hi, Matt. Nice to see you. You too. You too. Um, I just wanted to talk about the reaction of a lot of players. Um, certainly, this, you. you know, the likes of Daily Cherries, um, James Tedesco, Jack White, and so on and so forth. Come out and support said, We want to play. I mean, how, how does that make you feel when you, it's quite clear that there is an appetite from a lot of these players who would be playing Australia? Say, but ultimately, you're having so much many issues for a decision that isn't player led. Uh, mixed emotions. Uh, first of all, heartened the players that have stepped forward and say we want to play in the World Cup is so important. Um, as I mentioned before, we saw it happen with Andrew Fifita, um, Jason Tamalolo in 17, which I think was a seminal for international rugby league. I believe that would follow through um, in our tournament. I, I think as excited as we are and as hearted are by that sentiment, we're all incredibly disappointed. Incredibly disappointed that the players haven't been considered. Um, and as I say, that we, we want to listen to the players to seek their views. And ultimately, if the players tell us that they uh, want to, cannot, whatever the reason is, uh, come in the volume that will make the tournament practical this year, then we'll have a, a decision to make. But at least it will be an informed decision. So the ARLC and the ARL have, have pulled or withdrawn the two countries due to is it safety and well was, was the reasons given. We've had that meeting with the NRS was told by the, the two countries. I think the point of difference was the safety um, aspect. Um, absolutely refute any allegations that we will not provide as environments and we will demonstrate to everyone on this call, anyone that's prepared to listen to us, that it will be nothing but safe environment. And welfare and the wedding um, matters from players definitely uh, came up uh, on the call and we respect that. We understand happening in the NRL competition, the environment um, on the goals. We absolutely stand from a New Zealand warrior player that they've been away from the family for many, many weeks and months. Um, so we, 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 and we get, this is tough, this is tough, but this is also about higher. Uh, we have a stage the biggest and best ever with Bleak Up, but we also have a desire to do that in a responsible and respectful way. Really for me, given the withdrawal of those two nations, have there any other nations that have come forward expressed concerns about participating in that? Yeah, we, 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 we've spoken to every nation. Uh, are there remaining concerns? There are. Um, I thought of the issues that people have come with, we can address. But ultimately, the concern is whether, specifically, the NRL men's players will participate. And that is what all of this falls down to. We've got to consider the women's and the wheelchair athletes and all of this. They are time athletes. The people that will come to New Zealand, the Cook Islands, Papua New Guinea, etc., will be away from the have to quarantine. They are part-time athletes, they are not full-time athletes. So this is challenging, Matt. We want to consider everything in making the most informed decision. Thanks, John. Thanks, Matt. Um, keep us moving. Can I go to Seth T, please? Oh, thanks. Um, so, uh, sorry if I if I missed this. I just wanted to check. Um, what I mean, what, what are the costs of, of uh, rescheduling 
2022 or off or of um of cancelling um if if that um a possibility and then sorry to understand the the likeliest of the uh, options so you could keep it one move to 22 or or cancel the other but but it's the kind of potential what are the probabilities for each of those thanks Thanks, Alan. Thanks for your question. Um, from a fact perspective, obviously, there's an extraordinary cost in carrying on in 2021. Uh, to meet that because of our exceptional commercial performance and they will be for measures such as charter flights and quarantine. There are, of course, costs to um, postponing government, uh, so carrying on for another 12 months. Of course, the cost of cancellation, some cost that has already gone to uh, this, which is to say that not no one appetite uh, for that. Uh, but in looking at underpraisal, you've got to consider all of the available options. Wherever we land, there will be um, additional costs, uh, but this is so important to us that we have said, if we can stay as a tournament this year, prepared to meet extraordinary measures. Are there kind of numbers on on the, on those costs at this stage? Not at this stage, Sam. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, can I just remind them to stay on mute? Because I think there's a couple of people with mute, etc. I know it's still with uh, an early start, but if everybody's on mute, that'd be great. Um, can we go to Mike Loney, please? Uh, John, how are you, mate? Um, firstly, keep your head up, mate. Well done. Thank you for fighting for National Rugby League. Um, my question is around um, UK government support. Appetite changed uh, with New Zealand pulling out and, and what have you discussions like with them over the last week or so? Thanks, Michael. Uh, to hear from, from you and thanks so much for um, your comments. Um, we are to UK government on a daily basis. Uh, they are presented on our board of directors. Uh, their appetite to stage the tournament this year absolutely remains. Uh, I think they were hugely disappointed by um, what happened last week. Uh, clearly, in managing public funds, we must do that in the most responsible way. And that's why we just need a few days uh, to come to them, uh, have that informed motion um, with them and I have no doubt that the UK government support will remain whatever the overall outcome is. Good year. thank you mate. Michael, um, can we go to Chuck Walker, Daily Mail please? Hello everybody, my question is just about trying to pin the timeline. Um, John, how long do you think you've got before you make a decision about what you are going to do? Yeah, thanks for your question, um, Charles. Um, not very long. Uh, this is a matter of days. I think within the next 96 hours, we get in front of as many days as possible. Uh, talk to them, listen to them, understand uh, where we are. Um, we're only 80 days away from um, hopefully uh, staging the first game of the tournament. So we haven't got an absolute uh, drop -dead deadline day, uh, but we are talking a handful of days, uh, Charles, and anything longer than that. So are we, are we thinking then the beginning of next week will one way or another? I think at some point next week we'll be able to um, come back all of you uh, and come back to many, many stakeholders um, and have a clear outcome. Uh, people want to see uh, and we understand uh, that this has been an incredibly challenging um, journey. It's been a roller coaster um, and what happened last week uh, really derailed um, our plans. So we had to work harder in one direction rather than another. Uh, but yeah, talking um, some point this week, I would expect Charles that we come back um, with a um, definitive way forward. Thank you. Cheers, Charles. We, we, we've got hands and, and time to be uh, running away. So if I can go, I know, Gary, you've been, you didn't have your hand up. Can I go to you, Gary, please? You can. Hi, all right? Hi, Gary. Nice to see you. Good to see you. Um, just a couple for me. Have you actually spoken to anyone at the ARLC and the NZRL? Have they, have they basically shown their working out as to why they came to this decision? 
I've had a conversation with Andrew Abdo. Um, I, I haven't spoken directly to Peters. Um, he had been um, in touch. Um, the most important thing at this point, Gary, is we focus on our energy in looking forward rather than looking back. Um, I understand and appreciate the IRL will have a lot to go over in terms of uh, how we got to this point. Uh, but for this point in time, this is, can we stay on this year to meet everyone's aspirations if we have some more time to um, pour over what's happened and what happened? Did Andrew Abdo give any further information to why the Australians actually reached their decision? Or is it just to what's in the statement they've told? I think it's in, in the statement. Uh, well, I, I've spoken through um, freely um, over the few months. I have nothing but that for the challenges that he has. Um, I, I think we fundamentally disagree uh, on the player safety aspects, again, as we'll uh, demonstrate. Uh, but look, people have their own challenges, Gary. We're seeing what's happening here in the UK Super League, um, NRL, um, the players are in a bubble. Uh, we've seen two of the three statement games move. So we appreciate this is difficult uh, for everyone. Um, and I have nothing but respect for the NRL club chief execs and for Andrew. Um, I think from a communication perspective and, and particularly um, the media statements that were put out, I think uh, they could have been done in a very different way. Okay. Gary seems to have chosen. Have you spoken to Asia and have any actually said? I think you're breaking up, Gary. I think out of the question, have, have we spoken to many players uh, yet? We have spoken to many players over many months. I've surveyed them hand-in-hand uh, uh, hand with the RBA in terms of listening to people. Um, but no situation has changed. Imperative that we see them again and fully understand whether they will commit to playing in the tournament. Sorry, the second half question was, having spoke to the players, if the players you've spoken to so far have said no, um, not directly, um, but what we want to do, uh, Gary, is we survey them with a simple question, um, an anonymous yes or no, so they can give us a true orientation. Clearly, a lot of it's spoken out in the media, uh, but it's really important that we understand that, that the worst scenario for us would be to um, forge ahead and find that other nations and other players absolutely don't planes to the UK. Uh, that would not be the optimal uh, position. So that's why uh, it's important to listen. Um, overridingly, the sense is positive. Um, it really is. That's why we're encouraged to just give this uh, a few more and give it everything we've got. We, we really deserves uh, the tournament. Uh, we can deliver. Uh, our supporters that have tickets deserve the opportunity to watch the tournament, but only if we deliver it in the biggest and best way. Cheers, John. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Very good. Um, I said we've got six hands there left up and we've got uh, only a few minutes remaining, so I'll try and get through as many as possible. Vinny O'Connor, I think you've had your hand for a while. Hi, John. I uh, hope you're right. Um, just when you say Australia, New Zealand's decision is irreversible, does that mean then that you're, at the moment, there's, there's a communication ashore? Are you open to them coming back maybe at the 11th hour? Oh, hi, Vinny. Um, absolutely. Of course, we have been um, all through. Uh, we understand the position. Um, I believe it's reversible. But if at any point Andrew Abdo, Peter's, Peter Belandis um, want to pick up the phone and have a question with us, um, we will be uh, nothing but delighted to engage in that conversation. If they don't, and given the situation at the moment, how will that impact on you working with Australia and New Zealand moving from here beyond 2021? 
I think Vinny, that's probably a question for the National Rugby League with the entity with where to stage the tournament. So uh, after the trophies of the fireworks have gone off, uh, the job uh, done, but uh, very much for the International Federation. Is what, what's happened um, has damaged uh, the ability of International Rugby League. Um, I think in Troy Grant, uh, there is an exception leader who can take International League forward, uh, but that's so important that we make the rations over the next uh, few days. Thanks, Vinny. If we can go to Turner, please. Hi everyone, uh, just wanted to ask, assuming that 21 tournament goes ahead, what's your current forecast for news tournament? Well, sorry Alex, I think you broke up a little, I'm not sure if it's the internet connection at my end. It, it, can you just request it again, please? Yeah, well, assuming it goes ahead this autumn, current forecast for total ticket sales and revenue? Um, we, we have overwhelmed on um, ticket sales. We stand, still stand by our um, projections. Um, we have no idea what impact might be depending on the replacement teams. But we're still confident that we can sell into venues, that we would have 52 spectators uh, at Saints Park for England versus Samoa, and that we can reach the overall um, new projection and the forecast we uh, have got. Uh, there's a lot of additional cost in here, uh, but as I mentioned earlier, Alex, we're prepared to meet that because we believe uh, in moment. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Uh, keep this moving. Go to Matt Newton, please. Then Gareth Walker, and we'll finish with with Brad. Yeah, hi, John. Um, just a quick one from me. Um, if if it was the, one of the worst case scenarios and it and it was boned for, to twenty twenty two, is there a sense that you kind of miss the better opportunity in terms of uh, the football World Cup taste? You know, they're not they don't quite over, over run side by side, but there there's a little bit of a lap and. Of course, you've got the women's Euro. So the potential to get those eyeballs and those pounds and people who potentially are looking to go to sporting events, is this year the one, the optimum one? Would your projections have to change significantly if you did? Yeah, yeah. thanks for your question, Matt. Um, it, it is optimal. Uh, it was five and a half years ago when we started the journey. That's why um, we chose 21. That's why we've got the led government support. Um, we have to stage the tour in 2022. Uh, we'll do that and we will do that to our, our best of ability. But for World Cup, the Women's Football European Championship, Commonwealth Games, the momentum that we've got, the arrangements with broadcasters, venues, etc. cetera. Um, maybe people think that postponement is logical and the easy option. I can absolutely assure you it is not. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Uh, to, to go, please. Hi, John. Thanks for doing this. Just a quick double part one. Just on government, you, you mentioned briefly that the government was hugely disappointed, I think. Can you just give us a, an insight into their reaction to all this? And you aware of any between the, the governments with Australia since all this has happened? Yeah, thanks, Gareth. Um, second question first, that there have been ongoing bilateral um, conversations between UK government, Australia government and the New Zealand government. Uh, obviously, the situation in Australia is slightly more complex because also the state government have been talking uh, with South Wales uh, government who have been absolutely um, standing. I, I think broadly, uh, Gareth, uh, it, it was the way uh, that the decisions were communicated. Uh, it's been well documented, the notice that we got uh, some of the things subsequently uh, said. Um, this is such a big for the league. Government did, um, to use the word, I will use it, unprecedented amounts of funding into this tournament. Never seen before in the history of the sport. And for that, um, I think UK government deserved the most um, respect um, from all the competitions um, and from our different stakeholders. So look, we have to look forward, um, not look back, uh, and maybe that for another time. Uh, but we shouldn't forget how hard we have fought. We have an exceptional chairman in Chris, we have an exceptional board, we have a talented executive team. We've worked relentlessly for five and a half years to get to this position. Rugby League has never been in this position um, before, and that's why it's so critical that we make decisions over the coming years. John. 
Thanks, Gareth. Uh, Brad, just to finish with you, there's a hand up, uh, no video and, and no uh, just be. I don't know if, if there's a question there. If you can introduce uh, yourself, that'd be helpful. Bradley Cowper from Sky Sports. Thank you. John, good morning. John, 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 why, why haven't you spoken to Peter Volandis? Um, Chris and myself spoke to Peter Volandis uh, a few weeks ago, and we absolutely remain on. Peter has my uh, normally delighted to have a conversation with him. Why haven't you since the decision was made? I think the decision that has been made has been absolutely clear. So um, if there's a conversation to be had, we, we, will, we will have it. At the time being, we focused our attention on the nation wish to participate. All right, John, part of that is, what have you asked of the NRL chief executives that you did speak to? Uh, we uh, wanted to put the record straight. Uh, we wanted for them to get uh, an update uh, from them. We uh, offered them the opportunity to ask us any questions. They came forward um, and we answered those. The meeting we've uh, had um, was conciliatory, positive, um, respectful, uh, absolutely fully understand their position. But their position is to want any of their players to go to the World Cup. That, that, that forward the view on the reason uh, why uh, they players uh, to, um, as I said, um, on the safe environment, we absolutely provide a safe environment. I think it's more complicated than simply not wanting us to go, uh, and that's what we need to look more time to work uh, all of the detail. All right, thank you very much, John. Thanks. Okay, Brad, if we can finish off with you, thank you. Yeah, yeah so Josh is going to ask you about that CEO's meeting as well. I should ask you to postpone the, the tournament, and that was that was their preference. Yes, Brad. That, um, first of all, nice to see you. Uh, yeah, that's been uh, a consistent um, uh, position all, all the way through, uh, and that hasn't changed. But I think we got into more of the detail is the reasons the RAL um, was great to be able to get sort of, uh, a hand and our chief executives and, and hear their point of view. Um, maybe it's a that hasn't happened other uh, than this, but it's uh, certainly known for the want of trying. And obviously, the player player availability is the issue, and they didn't come away from that convinced one way or other that the players would be released. We, 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 we um, Brad, but as we said all the way, whilst respecting the club position, respecting the federation position, this is ultimately a player voice and a player choice. And we, as the auditors, whether it's our responsibility or not, we are absolutely prefer to listen to those, seek their views, and then make the most informed about the next steps. John. John, just before we wrap up, I think uh, Willis has been just hand up apologies, uh, Gavin, for that. So we'll take one last one. Thanks very much, uh, Mike. Um, if the, you get you want to hear from players and uh, you proceed with the Indigenous All-Stars and the Maoris replacing Australia and New Zealand as sort of like for likes, what's the reaction of the BBC to that, um, given that from what I can make out, more than half of the players in the last Australia squad are actually for either of those teams or Italy, Serbia as a potential replacement or Wales, etc. So will the BBC be with that? And also what would be the relation with regard to ticket holders and sponsors who bought uh, tickets and put money in for Australia and New Zealand games when it wouldn't actually be the represent those national to playing? Thanks, um, Gav. From a BBC perspective, BBC have been wonderful support of the tournament. Uh, let's get in 2013, they covered them. the 28 games. They have committed to come in 61-61. Uh, that position hasn't changed. And clearly, what's happened in the last uh, few days is still very raw. Uh, we have some further conversations um, with them. And, of course, the concept of the Indigenous team and the Maori team 
um, literally as uh, around in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, but we're confident BBC will continue uh, to support us um, from a ticket perspective, from sponsors, etc. Um, we've been working hard uh, in trying to communicate with people and see their views. Um, ultimately, it's a bit like the players, Gav. Uh, we need to give everyone a uh, And if the tournament has mentally changed, then we will happily give people a choice about uh, whether they stay into the tournament. What I would say is we have received nothing but sounding support from the sporting community and wider. Uh, I think people truly um, respect um, the position of the tournament, the thing that Rugby League has got it's into here. Um, and I have received nothing but positive messages over the last few days.